Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is a throwback episode. It's the first show we ever recorded in Brighton. We had a lot of fun getting the audience to chant along with I'm frustrated, not sexually. It seems strange, out of context, but there you are. It was also the first time we did a charity of the week. And when you're done with this episode, please listen to Margaret Cable Smith's amazing podcast, Crushed by Margaret Cable Smith. There's an episode from me talking about all my teen crushes and episodes from some other brilliant people that you will know and love. I'm a feminist, but I really miss my old tits, a.k.a. my young tits. <laughs> no, you're feeling sorry for me now, I can say. I wasn't sure where that was going. I thought, I thought oh, you've had an operation. <laughs> it's just age. I think they're looking lovely. You well. Perky, not that non-perky. They're scaffolded. I'm all telling you, they're lovely. scaffolded. Oh, all of our tits are scaffolded. Not all. Not all. Hashtag not all tits. <laughs> I am a feminist, but once I risked my life by defending my makeup case from a burglar who was in my bedroom when I woke up. <laughs> he was holding it. And I said, there's only makeup in that. (laughs) And he dropped it and ran. (laughs) It was a silver makeup case that I'd got free from Max Factor for buying something. And it looked, I think, like a camera case. But it's really weird that you say that because one of my best mates did the same thing on a... She chased someone down the street who'd stolen her makeup case. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's very expensive to replace. And it takes ages because you've bought this from here and this from here and this from here. And I knew it was no good to him. So I was like, take the telly. (laughs) <laughs> Fine. Leave me my face. It's insured. It's insured. It's insured. But he's only going to dump that in a bin. And that's a lot of... No, fun. yeah. <clears throat> I'm a feminist and I take my career very seriously. But when I was told I hadn't got a part in Jack D's lead balloon because I looked too much like the very beautiful Raquel Cassidy... I was secretly delighted, and it was almost worth losing the job. Ah. <laughs> nice. 
probably wasn't even true. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but once I risked my safety and that of others by running towards a mugger who had snatched my makeup bag <laughs> out of my handbag, I screamed at him until he dropped it. Take my phone, take my wallet, but back the fuck off from the Laura Mercier. I mean, again, it just takes so long, and he didn't understand. It was like a silver bag, and I think he thought it was a value. I just... He really looked scared. <laughs> he was twice my size. He was just opportunistic. He just saw it, grabbed it, and I, he looked so scared, and he ran. He ran very fast, and he... Keep on running! <laughs> I'm a feminist, and I'm looking forward to proving there is life as an older actress, but I know if I ever make it onto a high-end red carpet, I will be gutted that I can't get my young tits, a.k.a. my old tits, out. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but if I were given a time machine which could only travel to the moment in time where Virginia Woolf walked into a river with stones in her pocket, or the moment in time where Chris Hemsworth was desperate for a hand job backstage after his drama school production of Guys and Dolls. <laughs> I would feel guilty about the potential lost novels of Virginia Woolf and try to create them myself. <laughs> I mean, it's Chris Hemsworth, though. Isn't it? Like a famous thing. Is that something he talks about in interviews? The time he was desperate for a hand no. job. <laughs> <laughs> they must have been. Like, I mean, sort of, no. How desperate? If he'd men given a performance. can give themselves hand jobs, how it's desperate was he? It's not the same. They assure me it's not the same. <laughs> Live from the old courtroom in Brighton, the Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis White and guest co-host Margaret Hayborn Smith and our very special guest Jen Brister talking about hysteria. This is the Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. We're talking about hysteria today. Now this is because did you all hear this news story? So Mary Cray who is a shadow minister, was asking a perfectly reasonable question. And Philip Hammond, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, told her not to be hysterical. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, uh, she wrote a piece for The Guardian, and she says, to my astonishment, he told me not to be hysterical. There was commotion from my Labour colleagues and jeering from Tory MPs. So I demanded he withdraw his remarks. He apologised by deploying the weapon used by men everywhere. I didn't call her hysterical. I saw him say this. I didn't call her hysterical. I urged her not to be hysterical. <laughs> so what he could see, she seemed calm, but he could foresee hysteria coming up. <laughs> he thought, she's a Some, woman. Somewhere in your future, something is going to happen which will make you both laugh and cry hysterically. <laughs> exactly. He sensed hysteria coming up. Maybe he sensed an ovulation, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he could see her womb trembling. He, he, 
he could see perhaps her top lip was vibrating. I don't know. But he's had experience talking to women before. So, to be fair to Philip Hammond, he knows the territory very well. (laughs) And what he wants to do is just put the brakes on any potential hysteria, just in case there was an outbreak of it, like in a sort of zombie film. (laughs) And in his defence, Parliament has been quite an insane place recently. Maybe they were going to get hysterical dysentery within seconds if he hadn't (laughs) stepped in and said... But uh, she pointed out that if he were talking to a man, he would not have used the word hysterical. And so she said it was used to silence her and it was used as a power play because it's one of those words we reserve for women. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are other words we reserve for women? Uh, Bossy. Bossy. Feisty. Feisty. Difficult, I think. Mm, I hear difficult a lot. Yeah. She doesn't get any work because she's difficult. She's difficult. You mean you don't fancy her anymore because she's old. That's what that often means. (laughs) Or you mean she's stopped taking quite so much shit? She only takes sort of 60% yeah, of the yeah, shit yeah. that she's dealt, and the other 40% she goes, do you know what? Uh, fuck it. Uh, and so that she, she's now, yeah, she's now seen as difficult. So today we're going to discuss hysteria, and we're going to look at how we can approach that subject. Is there a time for hysteria? Is there a place? I mean, there definitely is a time and a place for hysteria. Glastonbury. But (laughs) is there a reason why women are called hysterical? What's the history of hysteria in women? That's what we're going to explore today. Margaret, did you do a hysteria challenge? I did do a hysteria challenge. I don't know about you, um, the females in the audience, but I have never... I've done that thing of never, ever responding to men when they say gross things or, you know, just even make noises this man I walked past him at a bus stop and he went (laughs) he went legs and that's not in a way legs legs that's not really anything I know it's not but it was uh, um, (laughs) and so my challenge to myself is to do the traditional shouting back is to try and say stuff back and so I did turn around to the legs man (laughs) and I I just said I'm not very um, experienced with saying things, so I just said, why? Why do that? And then I panicked and left. But it's really weird, because that sounds like a ridiculous story, but the whole way to the station, I was scared. I was thinking he's going to... Because he looked, I mean, shocked, but really angry. He looked really annoyed that I hadn't enjoyed it. I really didn't enjoy it. (laughs) Well, I think in those situations, what men are looking for is to change you. They're not expecting to touch your legs. They're not expecting anyone to go... Maybe they are. I don't know what they expect. I honestly think it's a provocation to change. Mm. My thing in that situation, and I've really found it works, is just to... I put both my arms up and I go, Not cool! (laughs) And... (laughs) Because I'm not saying I'm angry. I'm not saying you've affected me. I'm saying you're not cool. And men don't like being called not cool. (laughs) And also, it's a bit of a surprise, because they're not ready for the arms, which... (laughs) Honestly, try it. It works really well. Because you see, they get changed. They deflate. But you haven't really changed. You've walked on. I might get some flyers with not cool printed and just (laughs) hand them... Really cross. You see my frowny face. You have... You deserve a not look up like a yellow card yes, and a red card. Yeah. I did want to get some badges made up saying your music's too loud and hand them out on the train. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like confrontation. I did once, one of the most insane things I've ever done in my life 
was I was so angry on a bus, but I'm so terrible at my own anger that I wrote a note. A man was smoking on the bus, and I wrote him a note. <laughs> and I put it in his hood when he left. <laughs> Did you feel your challenge? <laughs> yeah, Did it allow you to get less noty and more like more? Yeah, no, I'm saying say things something. now. Yeah, less noty, more saying things. Maybe eventually I will actually shout. Mm. It sounds quite Dutch. Not cool. <laughs> I think in a Dutch accent Not it cool. would be even more. Yeah. Powerful. No, I'm getting into it now. Yeah. Shall we try it as an audience? <laughs> One, two, three. Not, Not cool. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and I like that some people went Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> Choice. Just like doing a gig it's, in it's a brave Brilliant. choice. I really think we should start it because you can just do it in a way that it's you that's not cool, it's not me that's affected. You know. But then if they do get aggressive, you can say, no, I was just saying I'm not cool. <laughs> no. No, Margaret. No. no. There's no back down. It's you continue. You, you want just, me to get hurt. You go, no, you go not cool and you are continuing to be not cool, sir. Welcome to the stage, Margaret K. Bondsmith! Right, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> I really love being told to calm down. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, I really, really love it. And it really works, doesn't it? I mean, no, that's the thing. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of my time saying things like, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness you told me to calm down because now, now I don't mind that I'm late for my meeting and the baby's just tumbled right a four-pack of yoghurt. I don't mind. Thank you. Just you saying calm down has had the effect of a frigging yoga retreat in the Caribbean. So thank you. Thank you. It's, um, yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And not only does it not work, I think the people who use it know it doesn't work. I think it's like when someone says something completely aggressive and adds mate at the end of it. <laughs> because I always think, oh, I don't think we are mate. I don't think. I don't think you want to be my mate. I think you want me to take my fucking bag off your seat. I think that's as far as our relationship goes. It has the opposite effect, saying calm down. And I'm pretty confident. I haven't actually done this, but I've got a very good experiment that I'd like you to try. So the next time a friend says something completely just normal to you, like I'm just going to go and get a sandwich from Pret, say, all right, calm down. <laughs> be confused to start with what i'm just saying calm down so, i i am calm i'm just getting a sandwich yeah no all right no i know you're calm i'm just saying just don't you know just don't get keep doing that in a variety of ways and you will get punched in the face i'm fairly i'm fairly confident about that i'm i'm actually somebody who is on opposite sides of the i'm often the calmer i'm often the calmy in the comedy community i'm very much seen as these deeply sensible, uh, boring nerd. I'm the one saying, no, don't give the reviewer a wedgie. <laughs> um, I'm the one at 5am getting people to get out of skips and saying, it's all right, we'll just go and find a kebab shop with a Wi-Fi and I'll give you five stars. <laughs> um, that's who I am in the comedy world. In the friends with proper jobs world, I do have friends with proper jobs and they, they see me as somebody... Um, 
about as serene as a uh, recently bereaved drag queen who's been set on fire. Uh, and I, and I, I, to be honest, I veer between those two states. I did want to make a serious point. I think Deborah is absolutely right about calm. I think it's an overrated virtue. I don't think many people get very much done while being calm. So I think Deborah's absolutely right, and we need to get more hysterical, get out on the streets. Uh, I have a feeling that if when Donald Trump's visit, um, we're all going up to Scotland, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we should all go out there, line the streets, and just laugh at him, because I honestly think that that would be the thing that would really, really hurt him. <laughs> What is your challenge? So I've been having some building work done. I won't bore you with the details. If you're in the pub with me, I totally will, though. Um, (laughs) But everything's gone wrong, and things have gone so massively off plan and so far over time. And the one thing I'd been promised was that it would be done before Christmas. Having many other deadlines been flouted, I was like, it's fine, as long as it's Christmas, I'm going to come back from Christmas in the new year, and my flat's going to be fine and ready. And I then got this casual text, oh, by the way, yeah, it's not going to be done by Christmas, it'll be more like January now. It was the way it was delivered, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to have to call you, I'm so sorry about this, I know we promised Christmas. There was no attention to the severity of the situation, it was a casual text. So I went back to my flat, more apoplectic with rage than I can remember being in my life. And I did nothing to quell this rage. So normally I'd go, okay, count to ten. I was like, I'm counting to fucking zero. (laughs) (laughs) And I went upstairs, past my husband, who was like, hi, and I was like, there's no time (laughs) for fucking hi. (laughs) And I went up to where the builders were working, and... I hope nobody recorded it on their phone because I went batshit. I was so hysterical and I was like, this will be fucking well done by Christmas and if you won't fucking do it, somebody else will fucking do it because you are fucking fired. And now, please bear in mind, this was incredibly inconsistent behaviour because up until this point, I had been really calm, got on really well with them, being really reasonable and being like, okay, well, you know, da-da-da, that's a bit disappointing, blah-blah-blah. And I went absolutely crazy. And I let all of the hysteria out because I thought all of the patience hasn't worked, all of the being good to work with and the good nature hasn't worked, nothing else has worked here and I am just over this because I just thought psychologically for my mental health, I cannot still be living in this building site in January because it won't be January, it'll be February, it won't be February, it'll be March and it won't be March, it'll be 20 fucking 25 and I'll never (laughs) ever have a closing window again on my house and there's just air coming in all the time and it's cold I've had enough of this and I just want to be able to just go to bed and know that there's a roof on my head. <laughs> anyway, uh, after this admittedly hysterical outburst, magically it was able to be done by Christmas <laughs> by the builders who I think it's fair to say are fucking terrified of me. <laughs> so I would say that's my hysteria challenge and sometimes when you've used everything else in your mm. arsenal, hysteria works. Yeah, sometimes you can't just hand out badges. That's <laughs> the, I've and I honestly that. think sometimes builders talk to women slightly, in a, you wouldn't sort of understand this, love, And I'm like, well, understand this. (laughs) 
Am I good with one of those things that, what's the thing that you call it, you balance to check that something's straight? Spirit level. Thank you. Am I good with one of those? Evidently not. I can't remember the name of it. But do I know how to throw it at a man's head? Yes. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage the hysterical Deborah Francis White. supermarket and you see somebody you know in the cereal aisle uh just uh just sort of suddenly out of nowhere fall to the floor into the fetal position and start screaming and screaming and screaming you would call the authorities because you would think this person was vulnerable unless they were three years old and then you would think this is totally normal behavior and you would just push your trolley past them as quickly as possible (laughs) and get into the next aisle away from the noise you wouldn't think anything was odd if that person was three. And that is because we teach our children sanity. Our children are essentially born insane. And we teach them consistent behavior. That is what parenting is. It's teaching them to replicate sanity, even though they clearly are insane. Small children run down the street. If they're happy, they act like an aeroplane. That's random. (laughs) <laughs> it's not sane. That's not sane. Why are you acting like an aeroplane? Not an aeroplane. Because I want to. If they're happy, they sing and they dance. They jump on a wall and they want to run down the wall rather than walk with you. That doesn't look sane. Grown-ups can only do that if they're at university and drunk. <laughs> a normal grown-up walking to the post office cannot just jump on a wall, run down the wall, jump and land and keep going. People will look because that's not consistent behavior. A small child can. If a small child is angry, they scream. If a small child is sad, they burst into tears and will not stop crying. Now, what we're teaching our children as they get older, when they're small, we tolerate some of this behavior. As they get older, we start saying things like, stop making a fuss. You're making a big noise and you're upsetting everybody by revealing your emotions. Repress them! Repress them! This is not appropriate behaviour for a seven-year-old. When you were three, it was all right to cry when you were sad, but now swallow the tears! Swallow them! Pretend! Pretend! Pretend you're happy! It's what we do as parenting, and it's important. It's fucking important that we do that, because we can't have people... You know, in average officers going, I hate this job! <laughs> you turned up to the emergency room at the hospital and said, Oh, I've hurt my arm, can you? And the nurse just went, I'm bored of this! <laughs> I didn't ask to be a nurse! <laughs> Fucking hate you! <laughs> would just, it, nothing would work. So, in a very real way, we do have to teach our children to some extent to suppress their emotions. We have to, because otherwise society couldn't function. But I wonder if we take it too far. Because I do this, you know, I talk about sometimes I do this stuff in the corporate world where I go into offices and, uh, I don't know, I just sort of, I don't know, help uh, lawyers seem more interesting. And um, (laughs) I have to do things like I have to sit in on conference calls. Do any of you have to do conference calls? (laughs) Holy fuck! (laughs) Honestly, this is what it's like. So, uh, Jeff, uh, you're across this. We wondered if you would, uh, if you'd perhaps just fill us in on what your team's doing so we could get across this. 
uh, because I think Anthony isn't across this. So if, if Anthony and Sarah wanted to be across this, could you perhaps fill them in? And then he'll go, yeah, Tony, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think what we need to... I am across this, I'm across this, and I, and I think I will happily get you across this. I think what we need to ask here is, um, is there a business opportunity in this space? <laughs> to any of those words mean? Some of these people, honestly... It's not just that they're producing consistent behaviour. There's muscles in their faces they haven't used in some years. <laughs> There's no dynamics at all in their voice. And it's like in the corporate world, fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer behaviours and emotions have become acceptable until really people are just sort of robotic. I mean, some of these men especially, it's like they haven't moved their neck since 1998. <laughs> it's like they have to move their whole top body. And it's not, it's not okay. That is too few emotions. Okay, we can't all be behaving like three-year-olds, although clearly it is pretty damaging to suppress our children's emotions. What choices do we have? We've got to get them to suppress their emotions because they've got to go to school. They've got to operate in the world. Will we fuck them up? Yes, but we're all fucked up. If they didn't have baggage, they wouldn't fit in. (laughs) I get that. But there comes a point, guys, where it's too much now. We need to be able to say, Jeff, what do you mean when you say you're across this? I've never wanted to ask what across this means. Does it mean you know about it? In which case, why aren't we saying that? We had a perfectly good word for know about it. Why do we have to say across this, Jeff? Why? Why, Jeff? Why? Well, because we need to assess whether there's a business opportunity in the space. What does that mean? Do you mean can we sell shit to other people? Because why are we saying that, Jeff? Why? Why? I want someone on one conference call somewhere in the world one day just to say that. Just one person. If one person said that on one conference call and then just shouted, I'm out of here, I would be so happy. <laughs> and here's the thing. I think that the corporate world and the political world and that sort of everybody's got to behave in this way where they show utter consistency at all times and don't show any emotion or any even interest in anything, I really feel like maybe it's, it's got to go. And I was thinking recently, because I'm feeling much more active, I'm feeling much more, you know, when I started this podcast, I was really talking about how I felt about my upper thighs. And now I'm like, holy fuck, what's happened to the world in a year? And, you know, there's Trump, there's Brexit, there's what... I feel like now my feminism is more active. And I was thinking about this the other night. I was on a panel with some other women, and I was thinking, I feel like, yeah, marching is great, but what the suffragettes were doing was blowing stuff up. Admittedly, as AJ Close told me, they were very bad at blowing things up because they weren't good at making bombs. But (laughs) I don't want to play into that stereotype, but it's true. They were not good. (laughs) The technicals let them down. But they set fire to stuff. They smashed shop windows. They were really... And listen, I'm not saying let's build bombs. What I'm saying is, what's the thing between marching and bombing (laughs) that I can do? And I started to think about... Because the suffragettes called these things that they did outrages. And I started to think, could I do an outrage... And I started to think about Philip Hammond going, I urge you not to get hysterical. I urge you. I urge you. You're not hysterical yet, but I can't look at it. So please don't get hysterical. And I thought, what if we used hysteria? Because people are very uncomfortable with emotions. So what if we just went into public spaces and all went, we got hysterical. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) What if we all just took the day off and pretended to be (laughs) aeroplanes? 
What if we jumped on walls? If we did a happening, do you know what I mean? An outrage together. And some of it could be joyful. We could like go into the town square and sing. Some of it could be satirical. We could all dress up as Donald Trump to piss him off because he doesn't like it when women lampoon people in his cabinet because it makes them look weak. Some of it could be like genuine hysteria, like hyperventilating, the sort that frightened men. Like that sort of like... <laughs> Is there something we could do that used hysteria to stop them bringing in really evil legislation? So I'm just going to ask you to try it with me now. <laughs> I need a suggestion for something we could do. A slogan that you'd like to shout out, something you've been feeling. Frustrated. Frustrated. Not <laughs> okay, I'm frustrated. Brackets, not sexually. <laughs> this is good, this is good. This is a good feminist, just, because it's, it's just the emotion. It's like a kid, it's just the raw emotion. I'm frustrated, and then like, sort of more bracketsy. Not sexually, okay. <laughs> but we're going to repeat that into a build, into an hysterical build, okay? So I'm going to say it first, and then I'm going to give you the mic. So, I'm frustrated, not sexually. I'm frustrated, not sexually. I'm frustrated, not sexually. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. 
We've got some new live shows coming in 2024. Tickets are on sale now for shows at King's Place in London on the 15th of January and 19th of February. Full lineups to be announced, but you know we always get the best co-hosts and the most interesting guests. And we'll be announcing our Australian and New Zealand dates very soon. So keep an eye on the website, guiltyfeminist.com. That's also the place to go for big speeches workshops from Jessica Regan. These take place on Zoom and they've helped so many people sharpen up their presentation skills, find their voice and take their power. For dates and to book, go to guiltyfeminist.com slash big speeches. There are also a small number of subsidised places if you need them. And if you're enjoying this episode, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you like to listen and give us a five-star review and a few lovely words. It really does help other people find the podcast. And so does talking about it on social media or even mentioning it to a friend with your face. You can also get ad-free episodes by subscribing on Patreon, Apple Podcasts or Acast+. Plus. That's all from me here. Back to the podcast. Would you like to meet our fabulous guest? <laughs> she is a wonderful local, that's not what we've booked her though, comedian <laughs> who is everybody's favourite. Put your hands together for Jen Brister. <laughs> Oh, lovely. Hello. Hello. Does anyone else think Jen looks like Audrey Hepburn? No. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Thanks a does. bunch. Thanks a blinking bunch. I do have this haircut, and it's not for everybody. Uh, clearly not for my mum, who's staying with me this weekend in Brighton. She just said to me, Oh, my God. I don't think your hairdresser likes you. I was like, Thanks, Mum. Um, thanks, thanks a lot. So, yeah, it's lovely. Hello. <laughs> so, hysteria. How oh. do you feel about hysteria? Oh, do you I... feel, as a woman, you get accused of hysteria at times? Oh, always. Always. Well, that's the and end of the podcast. That's... The end. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what I get accused of. I don't know if anyone else does this, but I get told that I'm too loud all the time. That is almost a bit like saying, calm down. Like, when you're talking, they go, sorry, shh. If someone shushes you, it takes all my willpower not to just punch them in the face. <laughs> and I do blame my mum because I've got a foreign mum, so um, she's Spanish. And I think in this country, we really don't like it if you're loud mm. anyway. Particularly as a woman, we hate that, don't we? Like, if you're loud as a woman, we're like... <laughs> <laughs> and I think it, it's also a class thing, maybe. I don't know if you agree with me. Like, middle-class people like low talkers. We just don't like to raise our voices. I think posh people can be loud brayers. Yeah. Posh, mm. absolutely. But middle class, if you raise your voice, if you're very loud around middle class people, they're just like, no. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you must be poor. No. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? We don't, we don't like it. So I always get told to either calm down or to shh. I, get the I feel the same. I felt it today, actually. As Margaret and I were walking to the train, I felt myself talking. And I just saw my husband's face and I thought, he thinks I'm being too loud. Like, I think I Well, talk- it's more about what you're saying, Deborah. I mean... <laughs> I mean, there are times when, yeah, actually there is like... And then he got his wanger out. I wasn't I think it was libelous. I wasn't talking about ham jobs, just to be incredibly clear. But I felt like I sometimes do talk too loudly. But I think that comes from being Australian because... And this is something I learned from an accent coach. 
very posh British people, there's a lot of air in their voice because they speak right at the front of their mouth, so actually only using the front of their mouth. So if you purse your lips very tightly and you'll speak right at the front of your mouth, that's the Queen. It's very, very far from And then more kind of, you know, like a regional British accent, like a Cockney, be a little bit further back. And then Americans further back than that. And then Australians as far back as you can go. <laughs> and so that's right at the back of the mouth. And that means there's a lot of Australian opera singers and famous uh, West End Broadway singers, Hugh Jackmans. And it's because there's belt in the voice and it's because it's I, so far back. I, so I it's thought like, it was because there was hardly any Australians, so they have to sort of shout because they're not very near, you know. <laughs> In Australia, they're like, oh, they're right you're... over by, so, <laughs> you know, so the opera house. in the country. Yeah, exactly. So you're imagining what all Australians are standing on opposite sides of a paddock. Yes, yes. and you don't have phones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, blows out again. There's probably something. Yeah, there was movement at the station because the word had got around that the car from our regret had got away. And it's probably true, actually. My Australian assets not very good anymore. Are there any Australians in? Good. Okay. No. <laughs> We'd have heard them already. Just to shout out if you're from somewhere that's not Brighton or Hove. Uh, Hello, Shoreham. Shout out if you're... <laughs> shout out if you're international. Oh, yep. Where are you from? Uh, I'm American. I'm from North Carolina. You Americans are often accused of being loud. Yes. Well, I was going to say, she doesn't have the mic and we can hear her perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Half we don't need to mic back. you up. We can hear you. I genuinely uh, got quieter when I moved here. Like, and going home now, I think everyone's really loud. Oh, really? Yeah. So you've quietened down for Brighton? You're Brighton local? Yes, yeah. yeah, so you've had to you've, shh, rein it in. <laughs> Other international person? Yeah, American. American as well? Yeah. Similar situation? Well, I mean, you are at the back of the room and you are crystal clear. I love it. Yeah. You sound amplified. Have you brought your own mic? <laughs> Just wherever I am. I've got it. It can switch it on. So we've got two Americans in. Anyone else international? Yeah. Yes? Romanian. Now, what's the stereotype? Who's loud in Romania? What's the stereotype? Um, I think it's always the poor people are loud. Like... Poor people are loud. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So there's a stereotype that Romanian working class people are loud? And men. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just true. Men are loud. <laughs> yeah, just, they just own everything, don't they, with their voices. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> in Spain. Yeah, you know what that means. In Spain, it's sort of insulting to be too quiet. You know, that's the opposite. It's oh, kind of, what, what, what secrets do you have? Yeah, no. exactly. And also, it's a very different thing. When I go with my family in Spain, I sometimes, it actually looks like they're arguing with each other, mm. like literally all the time. And they're just like, do you fancy a drink? You want a coffee? Like, oh my, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like, you know, because oh, yeah. also they speak so Gestures quickly. It's like and, a machine yeah. gun's gone off, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you speak See. Spanish? Um, <laughs> That's fluent for those of you. There's a few proper Brits in there going, that is, she's good at that. (laughs) She's nailed that Spanish accent. Um, Yes, I can. Uh, Sort of, but not, I wouldn't say I was very good. My girlfriend thinks I'm very good at speaking Spanish because she can't (laughs) speak Spanish. So So she's always wildly impressed when you. So she's like, oh my God, that was fluent. And I was like, literally, I just asked where the bus stop was, but okay. That's basic GCSE Spanish. Um, <clears throat> what do we think about the way Mary Cray was spoken about in terms of hysteria? Why is it that we still in 2017 impose the idea of hysteria on women? Does anyone know the origins of this? Yeah, I know a bit about hysteria. Uh, it comes from, it's related to the womb, hence 
hysterectomy. Actually, the more I research it, the more <laughs> ridiculous it is, the more it becomes clear that it was obviously doctors going, I don't know what women... What's going on with women? <laughs> really? Like, really? they can, like... Grow people? What's that? You know, and there's all this stuff about how they thought a womb was like an animal inside a woman. In a way, in a way, it is, I suppose. It can be because it grows a person. So they thought the womb was like an animal, and yeah. therefore that the person who had this well, yeah, probably womb was, a witch. Was, yeah, yeah um, was not to be trusted, or in some way their emotions were unable to be anticipated. Yeah, it's weird how related to periods and you know that it seems to be, and they just. And in Victorian times, didn't they try and cure hysteria with vibrators? Because that's why the vibrators were Yeah, invented. I don't think they had the vibrating part of it. Oh, I thought they did. Sorted. I think the vibrators were, yeah, were maybe invented because... I thought they were invented specifically okay. by doctors. You know, like those woodpeckers that you wind up. Yeah. <laughs> that seems so sexy. Yeah, you just put a little cotton wool at the top of it and... <laughs> They genuinely, there was a doctor who invented them because women were said to be hysterical. So they were sort of, you know, they were having the vapors, they were emotional. I think actually, probably their hysteria was the product of being oppressed and constantly told they had to sit indoors doing needlework. Mm. It, oh my God, I would lose my bloody mind if someone just said, look, just embroider that for nine hours. I'm like, kill me. <laughs> but also, in a corset. Embroider that for the rest of your life. Like your life is embroidery. Play the piano, the piano embroider that. Don't speak. Don't, don't go just, outside. Don't go yeah, outside. And sit properly. And you'll get a cold if like literally yeah. a drop of rain lands on your forehead. Yeah. And sex also wasn't really seen as a something women would enjoy. It was yeah, done no. so men could impregnate them. So guys, got their rocks off and often also visited sex workers for more erotic pleasures. And so, yeah, but, no, but, but, but women but, weren't... That is true, because women weren't supposed to enjoy sex, so there were certain things. It wasn't like women weren't supposed to be able to orgasm, so then, you know, if guys wanted, they would just... That was it, to get you pregnant and then boff off down the old brothel yep. for some fun times. And it wasn't seen like as proper to sort of really give your wife a good scene to. Yeah, it would be wrong for your wife to have an orgasm. Yeah. That would be and also, disgusting. if a woman had an orgasm, it was attached to hysteria and seen as a mental illness. Mm. Well, that's why they invented the vibrators, so that they, I thought they thought it was a cure for hysteria, and so women were being visited by these doctors who would then give them the vibrator treatment. They'd have the orgasm, and then they'd say, oh, yes, doctor, I'm feeling hysterical again. And they'd call yeah. the doctor. <laughs> Funny, that. They'd call the doctor Weird once that. a week. Yeah. Yeah. Just having these regular bouts of hysteria, yeah, Doc. Seriously, seriously, there was a movie made about it. Do you think sometimes women think other women are hysterical or emotional? Like some women say, I'd rather work with men because I know where I am. I've heard women say that. Oh, yeah, absolutely, I've heard that. I, I can't really be friends with women, and uh, I never trust a woman that says that. I think, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, I think, how are you, are you, you just like yourself very have you much? Have not met anyone? Yeah, I don't like, understand. I mean, I don't get me wrong, I, I mean, I... You know, I've seen men around, and they're all right. And uh, <laughs> some of my some of my closest um, <laughs> some of my closest husbands are straight white men. <laughs> and Look, some of my closest sons are boys, and <laughs> we'll have to work on that. Anyway. Um, but it's interesting, um, if you look at who is currently, and I don't want to look at him, but um, who is currently the most powerful man in the world, he Oof. is 
And well, incredibly, God, his mum didn't love him. Jesus. It, well, he's incredibly over-emotional. Can we not blame a woman petulant. for Donald Trump, please? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe you've just said that, Jen. We will not blame a woman. That's like blame... Well, we might as well say Eve at the apple. <laughs> That, that, wasn't, that wasn't the intention of what I said. He cut, he cut her out. I, mean, I just meant he was so vile. How could anyone? But it did I come reckon, out wrong. I reckon he punched his way out of the womb. <laughs> this will be edited. <laughs> it will not. Uh, like, all epitome... I don't understand why anyone... You know, this go, well, Hillary can't be... Hillary oh, couldn't be president because Hillary's she's a woman. Hillary's the and she's... most unemotional person uh, I, I mean, in the I, world. No, that, that look of strained patience I saw on Hillary's face began oh, to depress me you I know. Know, a, a couple but, of months into the but election. Well, I know, but what started was, like, initially when she was before the primaries that we can't have a woman because, you know, they get periods and... What about if she gets her period and just... She's oh. fucking postmenopausal. How I mean, old are the... She's fucking even, 71. Even, even worse. I, fucking, I know, but the whole idea that still when the moon comes out, you know, and she's near a button, you know what it's like, you know, the full moon, and we're pressing any button we see. Oh, my God. Um, but she's she so unlikely to press a button, it's amazing she could button up a trouser suit. Uh, she was criticised, wasn't she? Because she was seen as completely cold. lacking any emotion yeah, and yeah, cold. Yeah. So that you can't win. You the, can't win as she a woman. couldn't win. No, very yeah, clearly. She didn't win. She didn't she win. She didn't Sadly. win. No. Sadly. But you're right. Like she was. I mean, let's look at how measured Hillary Rodham Clinton is. She was married to Bill Clinton during the whole Monica Lewinsky affair and various other affairs that came out. And she was so measured, she went, it's best for the family, for the presidency, for everything. I'm going to hold it together. And she was so dignified through that. And I've heard people blaming her and saying, oh, well, look what she did to those women. And I'm like, what did she do? And they're like, well, I've heard um, uh, Christopher misogynist. What's his Hitchens. name? Hitchens. I've heard Christopher... <laughs> This middle name is This is, this is Christopher Misogynist. When you said Misogynist, I went, Yeah, this I know is Christmas Feminist Charades. <laughs> Christopher, oh, Misogynist. Um, uh, yeah, I've heard Christopher Hitchens saying uh, that she did everything she could to alienate those women and slut shame them. I'm like, I don't remember her saying anything. Point to something she did or said that wasn't just dignified. And they're like, I don't know, but Christopher Hitchens said she was to blame for Monica Lewinsky. And I'm like, she was the only one who wasn't in the room. But somehow, <laughs> it was her fucking problem of what... I mean, just awful. And he is... You're right. Trump is fucking oh, hysterical. He is hysterical. Hysterical Absolutely. He, he shouldn't be allowed on Twitter. He's clearly insane. Oh, <laughs> Sad, isn't he? I mean, he's like a toddler. Really? But no, wonder, he's like a toddler. I wonder how much and people say calm down to him. <laughs> you know, it feels like if anyone should be calmed mm. somehow, I mean, he needs to be sedated. <laughs> Imagine now, if you will, Hillary Clinton won. We're in a different parallel universe. Oh, I like this universe. Can I we know, stay there? Lovely. And imagine Meryl Streep tweeted that she was concerned about some of the policies. Maybe she'd brought in a more right-wing policy than anyone was hoping on immigration. And imagine Meryl Streep giving a speech about diversity. And imagine if Hillary Clinton, as a woman, tweeted, she's the most overacted partner in Hollywood, blah, 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 and around, you suck too. Can you imagine the fucking blowback that people would be saying, if we told you you can't have a woman in the White House? It's like if Obama had said, I grab women by the pussy. 
I mean, we're in a pa- we are, what universe are we in? We just can't even imagine. We're in a universe that's so surreal that sometimes I wake up and go, this, is this the real world? It's just, it's, you know when you're walking through, you think, am I dead? Am I, did I die? All I think time. I'm dead. Because the only way this can be happening is if I'm dead. But it's, it's real. It's, it's, it's like surreal. being in a satirical film that's jumped the shark. And you just go, well, this is too... No, you can't. This is implausible now, everything we're living through. But I do worry, because America is so spectacular, what's happening is so gripping and, like, car crash television, I sort of think the Tories must be loving it because we're slightly taking our eye off the ball with what's happening Oh, he's a great distraction. And then we go, oh, look, the NHS is gone and, oh, no, those child refugees aren't coming in and uh, austerity measures. Okay, so we have Theresa May as Prime Minister here. We have a female Prime Minister. And we've got, look, we've got Theresa May here, we've got Angela Merkel in Germany and we've got the... I mean, I'm not a Theresa May fan by any stretch of the imagination, but... She is statesman-like. She she stateswoman-like. Statesperson-like. All right. I want Theresa May to be more hysterical. I want her to show more emotion and get more concerned about what's happening with Brexit because she voted to remain, and now she's basically left with the leave option because none of the guys that had caused the problem wanted the job. They all went, oh, fuck, we didn't think this would happen. We thought we could get in a bus and sort of get some of the UKIP voters on side and still have the status quo. Oh, no, we haven't. Are you touched at last? Is basically <laughs> what, what Bojo did. So Bojo wanted the job until the job became hard. So Theresa May stepped forward and said, I'll have a go because it's the only time a woman's going to get a go otherwise. I think that's what's happened. But I want her to get more emotional about it and I want her to show that she cares. And I think probably she doesn't because... She's a Tory. Well, (laughs) either because she's a robot-type person or because she's been trained to be a robot-type person because she's a woman and she's in politics and she's been told, don't show any emotion. Oh, absolutely. Could we write to Theresa and say, can you please show us what you feel and can you please get more passionate about it? Yeah, I mean, as the resident badge-giver-outer, I should say, I have been Badge would you like to give Theresa? Well, I have been sending her some quite odd... Have you? Have you? Have you? Oh, this is a revelation. Oh, I want to hear about this. Not that odd. Just very, very pally. quite sympathetic and saying look it really worked I mean it was before she went out to see Trump and I you know just sort of said come on come on love come on love (laughs) calm Um, down well calm down for a start did you say I'm frustrated not sexually (laughs) (laughs) I said I appreciate you know so I appreciated that she had a really terrible job because she was stuck with Brexit and whatever happened she was going to be the Brexit Prime Minister Um, but I just said I understand that but you've got to go to Trump and say I can't remember what I said now that's it. I said, come on, Theresa. <laughs> you and I both know <laughs> <laughs> that Trump is a narcissistic, psychopathic, misogynist. And I know that you're not allowed to say that, but can you just remember that while you're trying to do any talking to him and, you know, <laughs> while on, you're holding the his hand. Stage, while you're holding his <laughs> fucking hand. <laughs> while you're whispering sweet nothing's in Because apparently he's scared of heights or something. I'm scared well, of steps. Ste- I was going to say, there's only three steps, scared wasn't it? Of ste- He's scared a of steps. He's scared of steps. <laughs> no, would, that would be amazing. Yeah. It'd be really easy to defeat him if he was a dog. Does anyone have a question about hysteria or feminism? One of the uh, Americans must have a question. <laughs> 
Did you watch the movie The Falling and how do you think it represented hysteria? I haven't seen it. No, I don't Have know. Have you seen it? I haven't Jen. seen it, no. sorry. Could you, could you, you tell us about yeah, it though? You tell, you, you tell us what you think Pick. and then you can come and host it next week. <laughs> Has anyone else seen it? Are, no, are you asking a question about a movie? You, you have seen it. Imagine. Yes, no, I have, no. no, I have seen it. Okay, I've uh, seen it. I don't know like, how well I've heard it. Okay, it. imagine, um, if you will, that a man had got the microphone in his hand and said, Have you seen this movie? And everyone had gone, No. What he wouldn't have said is, Does someone else want to explain it? He would have gone, Great. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you the whole plot. <laughs> Spoiler up. <laughs> so it's a movie uh, that was demonstrating the movement of hysteria, I think, in about the 70s, where girls in school started fainting. And oh, there was yes. the, the fainting I heard movement. about this. Yeah. Um, and it was all wrapped up within hysteria. Why did they start fainting? I did hear about it. Was just, it was like a contagious thing. Someone was unable to express their emotions, and so oh. they fainted, and then because they did that quite publicly in school, all of the other girls started doing it, and it became an unexplained phenomenon. Wow. I did a Radio 4 play once um, called A Time to Dance, and it was about this phenomenon in the Middle Ages in France. And this, I think it was a man that came out and just started to dance. And then someone came out and joined him. And there was a whole, like half the village came out and they couldn't stop dancing, like in a trance state, until they died. And the radio play that I did was sort of ad-libbed, improvised. And it was, we did it like a docudrama about like this was happening now on the South Bank. And all these experts were talking. And we had Robin Lustig doing the news. And it was the only ever Radio 4 play of the day drama that got complaints because people said it was too realistic. (laughs) Because normally plays are like, hello, (laughs) are you in there, Amazon? I'm just having a cup of tea. Ting, 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 ting. Um, and uh, this was so... That's no, better so than a lot of them. don't get complaints that are too realistic, but people said, my daughter was on the South Bank and I really thought it was happening and she was caught up in a terrible dancing trance. <laughs> Genuinely. But... <laughs> God, I love Radio 4. It was an hysterical dancing manifestation of oppression. Is this something that you think we're going to see? I hope so. It sounds I mean, great. <laughs> not just necessarily <laughs> dancing, but are we going to get more hysterical if there is more oppression, as it looks likely there will be? Well, I hope if we are going to get hysterical, it manifests itself in a slightly more vocal rather than, like, just falling over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm livid! <laughs> oh, that's that then. Um... trouble that's the sort of between the march and the collapsing in uh, yeah exactly yeah. i think i hope i hope what i would love <laughs> is that we have a bit of cohesion the thing that i always find with the feminists and also with the left is that we are our own worst enemy aren't we because the right will just go oh let's just leave them to it and then we all just attack each other don't oh, we I'm so, so sick of the left being so cross with each uh, other so the left is like divided in like 655,000 different ways and <laughs> the Tories just go see you later that's another 50 years of us being in power since June I've been signing off all of my emails see you in dissident camp because I'm sort of hoping that me and my friends are the sorts of people who will stand up for you know my friends who are not 
particularly oppressed will stand up for the oppressed and uh, I'm not optimistic is what I'm saying about the whole, the whole dissident camp thing We've I bought a badge I bought a badge on, uh, saying I voted you're stay. good with badges <laughs> it sounds like I'm obsessed I swear I'm not that obsessed we're um, in the guides you evidently are <laughs> no. Margaret the first step is to admit the obsession oh, I've got a badge problem it's no good saying I'm not no one said you were and yeah, you swear, I'm not obsessed, I'm not obsessed. <laughs> Nobody had accused you of that. And so I'm going to call it, it's yeah, a problem. all right. You, um, I bought a badge that says I voted stay because I couldn't, bear, I couldn't bear going into my kids' school the day after Brexit and knowing all of those Poles and Irish people would just be looking at me going, you, you have done this. And I'm, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, sorry, another question. Yes. I've got an idea. Hooray! Hooray! Let's storm Um, the Bastille. I think we're all frustrated, horrified, much more than frustrated. I'm much more than frustrated. Some years ago, Julia Gillard was widely known for her 15-minute monologue against Tony Abbott Mm -hmm. and his misogyny. That's what we need now. Women need to be articulate about their criticism. To speak for 15 minutes uninterrupted in the Australian Parliament as a woman takes courage and it takes strength. So I propose that uh, we write to Julia Gillard and suggest that she uh, starts a Julia Gillard school of... Of speaking for 15 minutes. Of filibustering. <laughs> just, just, just imagine Julia Gillard with Trump. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Yeah. Oh... I mean, she's a girl can dream. Training. How can we get them in the same she room? She would be a wonderful secret weapon. <laughs> <laughs> That's my idea. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. But, you know, it, it's, it's a weird thing, isn't it, that Gary Lineker is the closest to an opposition we have at the moment. <laughs> I mean, that is weird. That's really not Alan. okay, is it? It's not okay. God. We're just going to end up with salt and vinegar crisps and a <laughs> no NHS. So, uh, my question is what's your strategy when someone tells you you're being too loud? Because I'm always like, I feel when someone tells me I'm being too loud because I am an actually loud person, I just feel really like ashamed and I just mm. instantly feel like a little girl again. And I just don't know, like... So when you're told this, is it in a work scenario or is it in a, you know, restaurant, <laughs> Like, my, um... It, it's happened in, like, because my fiancé is a loud person as well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've heard him trouble. laughing and I've enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, um, yeah, we've been told off in, like, restaurants, be like, use your indoor voices, guys. And um, my dad tells me off for being loud, which is hysterical because he's a really loud person <laughs> himself. But I just feel like I have no comeback when that happens. Like, Have you thought about singing I Am What I Am? <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> no, it's really difficult. I, I come from a very loud family and an office party at the next table to us in an Indian restaurant who complained about us. And I swear, we weren't even particularly drunk. We were just quite loud. There's a lot of laughing. But what was really nice, the waiter came over and he was absolutely mortified to tell us to be quiet. It's an office party of librarians. I mean, they were virtually <laughs> silent. Um, but he actually, we got a free bottle of wine out of it. So uh, I had the same thing on a yoga retreat. It was a big party, but it was a yoga retreat. I mean, 
Hey! Yo, yo! Double face dog, double face dog, double face double face dog, double face dog! Basically, was the atmosphere. <laughs> and this table of people that was in France, and they said roast beef, they said they were very English, this is what they like, they come over here, stealing our yoga mats. <laughs> and yeah, they're too loud. And they said, well, we did warn them there was a big party in tonight. But it is embarrassing to be in English yoga retreat being told, you're too loud. What I would do if I were you, if you get told this a lot, have on your phone an app where you press a button and Rage Against the Machine comes out. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. I, I won't do, do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. But it comes out like really loudly and you just have to <clears> press <throat> and shoot. So I'm, I'm so sorry. It's just some of the other patrons have been just a little bit upset by the volume of your voice. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me until they go away. Yeah. And also, does it bother you? No. <laughs> Job done then. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That felt like we solved something. Yeah. She's not bothered anymore. But just, just by the just, end, just, of just the tell them. Just go. I'm sorry. Would you mind taking a few steps back? Is that? <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> now, bog off. I think I want your spirit, Jen. I want to have that. You've, that, got, that, you've that, got to meet my mum. She's insane. I want your she would never put up with tonight. anything. Because yeah. I would also feel like, oh, God, now I feel terrible. Like, Jen, like, she just goes... Oh, kind of like she's got that kind of zero fucks going on. I I've got no fucks. fucks. I've got no fucks I've left. I've got loads of fucks. Yeah. I, I want to have zero fucks. <laughs> no, I've got no fucks. I'm, I'm, since I hit 40, my give a fuckometer's not flickering. It's gone. It's dead. <laughs> so, there's no, no fucks are left. And there's something I've wanted to do that I've just come up with this idea. I thought what we should do is like a charity of the week. So does anyone here have a relevant charity they'd like to just pitch to us for 30 seconds? And then someone can collect money for that charity in this cup, which previously had water in it. Yes? A community-based charity called Night Stop, which um, finds solutions for homeless young people and puts them with volunteers in the volunteers' homes um, when young people are facing homelessness and helps them find their own homes. And it's... Not just Sussex, it's spreading, but it's, um, it's really good and I've done it for a while. And if people are listening at home would like to donate or get involved, where should they go? What's the website? Nightstop.com. Nightstop. Nightstop.com. If you would like to come down at the end of the show and stand with this cup to collect, people are going to put money in the cup yeah. and then you can take the money and give it to Nightstop. Oh, and we will trust you to do that. I promise yeah. you. I'm assuming <laughs> you just seem so... She seems to know so much about the charity, didn't she? Yeah. A suspicious amount for someone who's going to steal the money. I've just checked and there is no Nightstop.com. <laughs> Follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at GuiltFemPod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash theguiltyfeminist. Like our Facebook page, sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as an episode is released. And please go to iTunes and do rate, review and subscribe. Give it five stars. If you get anything else, it's like fake reviews, guys. Uh, so yeah, we just want to help other people find the podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. And uh, can I have a big round of applause for my guest co-host, Margaret Cable smith And for our wonderful guest, Jen Brister. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, and guest co-host, Margaret Cable smith Over.
very special guest, Jen Brister. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Rosie Grain and everyone at the Brighton Dome, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Producers, is there any chance we could get some water, like three glasses of water? Sorry, we, we, there was an oversight. Um, someone's getting sucked. <laughs> no, I'm sleeping with him. Uh, the Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.